Good morning, church. Happy Palm Sunday. That was really weak, guys. Morning. Good morning, church. Happy Palm Sunday, everybody. It's uh, good to be back from spring break. Anybody else endure I-65 yesterday? I-65, I-57, and I-55 with all the reroutes and traffic jams and everything going on. It's just good to be home. It's good to be with you all this morning. I hope those that did get a break feel refreshed uh, today as we enter into God's presence here at Glen Allen Bible Church this morning. It's good to be together. If you're a guest with us this morning, welcome. We're, uh, we're glad you're here. We have guests every single week checking out the church. One of my favorite things to do is to meet new people and, and say good morning and welcome them to, to Glen Allen Bible. So if you've got somebody around you you don't recognize, introduce yourself, get to know them a little bit. If you are a guest, we encourage you to go to the Welcome Center uh, after service. You can pick up a book there. It explains a little bit about our philosophy of ministry, more about us as a church. There'll also be somebody there that can answer your questions. You can also head to the gym and grab a donut and some coffee and hang out with some folks and get to know us a little bit better. Our real hope, if you are a guest, and for everybody, is that this morning you feel encouraged in your faith and that you feel like you belong here at Glen Allen Bible and that you can grow here in your faith as, and be a part of this community. Our passage this morning comes from the book of 1 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 15 this morning. We're going to cover verses 1 through 7. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your copy of the scriptures, that'd be great. Many of you probably have a heading in your Bible that says something like the resurrection of Christ or Christ's resurrection or something like that. You may be thinking, well, that's a unique passage to preach on and to cover on Palm Sunday. Isn't that next week? Aren't we supposed to cover that next week at Easter? And if you are thinking that, you are 100% correct. A more typical Palm Sunday passage would be something found in the book of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. All four of those gospel books cover Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem where he is Uh, declaring himself and his declared king and the people wave palm branches and say, Hosanna, Hosanna, hail the King Jesus, the son of David has come, their king has come. Jesus marches into Jerusalem as king and that's covered in all four of the gospel accounts. Palm Sunday is an important Sunday because our, our king appears in Jerusalem Palm Sunday is also important in the life of the church because it kicks off what is called Holy Week. Orthodox churches and Catholic churches and Protestant churches of all different kinds of denominations, all different kinds of churches recognize this week as Holy Week. We kick it off with Palm Sunday and there's uh, many churches have services on Wednesday and Thursday and there's Good Friday services, Holy Saturday in some churches and then it all culminates with a big celebration on Easter, Easter Sunday. This morning we aren't going to cover the details of Palm Sunday. We're actually going to talk about the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is going to be our focus this morning because it's the heart of of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the heart of the text that we chose months ago as a part of our Holy Week uh, sermons, our Holy Week sermon series. 
So that's why we're going to cover it uh, this morning. And if, if it feels like things are a little bit mixed up, that's okay. It's okay that we can talk about the resurrection on Palm Sunday because the truth is, is that the resurrection of Jesus is something that we could and should preach about every Sunday. The resurrection of Jesus is something that we should remind ourselves of and celebrate every single day. The resurrection is that important. It's that big of a deal. A couple weeks ago, I was up at our second campus. We have a campus up in Bartlett called Poplar Creek. Would love for you to go up there on a Sunday and check it out. Uh, in fact, this Sunday, at, uh, today at one o'clock, we're doing a big uh, event up there. We're going to pass out uh, door hangers in the neighborhoods and invite everybody in that community to come to Poplar Creek for Easter. We're doing a big relaunch up there for Easter. We've been painting and there's new carpet that's gone in and some new technology in our worship center and in the worship center up there. Um, at one o'clock, if you want to be part of that, head up there today. We'll get you plugged in. Anyway, I was there a couple weeks ago and I was meeting with some contractors. We've got people that are doing carpet and, and paint. And one of the contractors that was there that we had a meeting with was um, a blinds uh, shades installer. And he was measuring and we were talking and we kind of had figured out something that we were going to do. And I said, hey, can we get this done by Easter? And you know contractors having that hard date is a little bit hard, right? It's a little tricky. They don't always like to land on that. And I said, man, we got to have it by Easter. Easter is our Super Bowl. And he kind of paused and he kind of looked at me and he said, really? I said, yeah, man, none of this matters without the resurrection. The resurrection is the event. Easter's like, it's the day. It's our, it's our Super Bowl. He kind of, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. He goes, I'm pretty sure Christmas is your Super Bowl. And I said, no, it's the resurrection. None of this matters without the resurrection. He goes, I don't know. I'm going to have to ask a few people about this. I have a brother who's a pastor. <laughs> Made me laugh. I said, that's great. You should ask questions and ask your brother to, to go with you to 1 Corinthians 15. I kind of left the, the conversation at that point. But if we turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and we go to verses 14 and 17, this is what Paul writes about the resurrection. He says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. This is what Christ Writes, or this is what Paul says about Christ. This is what Paul is telling the church in Corinth about the importance of the resurrection. And it's a reminder. It's, it's for us here today as well. If Christ has not been raised, pre the, preaching is, this is useless. And so is our faith. Your faith is futile. You're still trapped in your sin. You're still in death in your sin if Christ has not been raised. See, church, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And our belief in that resurrection is the foundation and it is the cornerstone of our faith. And that's why even on Palm Sunday and even on Christmas, we can preach about 
the resurrection. We can preach about the power and the purpose and the meaning of the resurrection. See, we believe that Easter is every day. Easter is every Sunday. It's not that Palm Sunday doesn't matter. It's not that Christmas doesn't matter. It's not that the, the feeding of the 5,000 doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's not like Jesus' baptism doesn't matter. All those things matter. But without the resurrection, our faith is futile. The resurrection is so important to our faith. Some have even proposed a change from evangelicals calling themselves evangelicals to calling themselves resurrectionists because it's that important to our faith. All right, before I get ahead of myself, let's read the passage this morning and we'll talk about it a little bit. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 7, Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you with which you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is Peter, just another name for Peter. And then the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. All right, so Paul is writing this back to the church in Corinth. You guys remember when we talked about Corinth just a few weeks ago, right? We were in the, we've been in the book of Acts in our, our Together for the Gospel series, and we, we covered Paul in Corinth. And Corinth was this unique place. It was a rich and prosperous city, but it was mostly known for its pagan worship. Lots of different temples, a, one massive temple up on the hill to, to Greek gods. There was cult prostitution and all sorts of debauchery going on in Corinth. Corinth was a tough place to be a Christian. There were all sorts of other philosophies and all sorts of pagan worship going on. And it was difficult to stand and take a stand and be firm in the gospel because of all the things that were happening in Corinth, all the different messages that were going on in Corinth. And so Paul, in chapter 15 of his letter back to the church, he wants to remind them of the gospel. The gospel is so important he needs to remind them of it in the midst of all that's going on and where they're living and all the messages that they're hearing. They need to know the gospel. They need to hold to the gospel. They need to stand firm in the gospel. There's something unique that Paul says in here, and I, I want to address it just briefly and then get on to the bulk of the text. Paul says something that's interesting. He says, by this gospel, you are saved if you hold on to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you will have believed in vain. Most translations of the gospel, or most translations of this would say 
by this gospel, you are being saved. That, that word saved is, uh, is most often translated being saved. And so what Paul is saying here, he, he's saying that the gospel saves you, the, the gospel uh, of Jesus, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, it saves you for eternal life. But the gospel that you are standing on, that you, have, that you believed in, is also saving you from the, the sins of the, of the world. If you hold on to it, it will give you life in all that you're going Going through, and so Paul is is not saying that um, that you're saved if you if you hold on. You're you're saved by Jesus Christ uh, through faith in Him alone. But the gospel also has power to guide you through life as you're being sanctified, as you're as you're moving through life. If you hold fast to it, it will give you life. All right, let's keep moving. Paul then goes on to share what I would call the nuts and bolts of the gospel. He's reminding the church here in in Corinth of the the core of the gospel and what it means. And it's a great reminder for us this morning because often we too need to be reminded of the gospel. And he lists three really important pieces of the gospel, the core pieces of the gospel, the gospel. First, he says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. The perfect, sinless, sinless son of God, Jesus, died on the cross for our sins. He took on the punishment, the punishment that we deserve for our sin. Our sinful actions, our sinful behaviors, our sinful thoughts, the things that we do and also the things that we don't do when we know we should do them. The things that, that uh, the sin that we have, the behavior that we have, the, all that is in us that is, that is sinful, that is what Christ died for. He took on all of that, the punishment that we deserve because of our sin, how we have offended God, how we have lived in our sin. Christ takes on that punishment that we deserve. He died the death that we deserve. Sin leads to death, and Christ died that death. He took it on. He was the perfect an only possible substitute for our sin, the, the death that we deserve. By his death, we are free from our sin if we put our faith, hope, trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If we declare and we believe in him, we are free. Scripture says our debt has been paid. Our ransom has been paid. Our sins are forgiven. And Paul notes that this is in accordance with the scriptures. The Old Testament is what Paul is referring to. This is the scripture that Paul has. He's referring to places like Deuteronomy and throughout the book of Isaiah and all throughout the Psalms where the promised Messiah would suffer for us, would take on our sin for us. He's he's called the Lamb of God that takes on the sin of the world. He will be a sacrifice for our sin. This is what Paul is referring to. So first, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Then Paul goes on to remind them and say that Christ was buried. Why is this important? Why does Paul note this? He he was died and he was buried. Paul includes this because 
He wants to make it really clear to the Corinthians and really clear to us that Christ didn't just swoon on the cross and fall asleep. That's a common philosophy that's out there that he didn't actually die. That he wasn't, and, he, and because he didn't actually die, he, he was never actually raised from the dead. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. On that cross, he died. He was dead. He took on the full punishment of our sin, and that means death. He died, and then he was buried, and he was there for three days. There is no question, Paul is making it really clear, there's no question that our Savior died and that he was in the grave. He was buried in the tomb. The third thing Paul says is he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So Paul is saying that Christ died for our sins, he was actually buried, and that he actually was raised from the dead on the third day. And he says that this was done in accordance with the scriptures. Paul's most likely referring to passages like Jonah 1, verse 17, or Hosea 6, verses 1 and 2, or Psalm 16, verse 10. These are what Paul would be referring to that scripture had prophesied that the Savior would be raised, that our Messiah would be raised. Paul didn't have access to the Gospels at this time. He didn't have the New Testament. So these are the things that he's referring to. But we know that Jesus himself prophesied and Jesus himself said that he would be raised from the dead in three days. In fact, 21 times the Gospels talk about Jesus saying that he would be raised. Jesus says on the third day he would be raised. Paul then goes on to, to emphasize or to expound on this truth. He wants to talk more about this, this event, this resurrection, this bodily resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 5 and 7, let's remind our, 5 through 7, let's remind ourselves of it. Paul says, he appeared to Cephas, again, that's Peter, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So Paul notes that Jesus appeared to some groups. He says to the apostles at the end, but he says to the 12, these, this is a term that is in, in, including those that that the disciples that Christ chose, those that were closest to him, who lived with him every day during his earthly ministry. Paul is saying he, he appeared to them. He appeared to the 12, those closest to him, and they can testify to seeing the bodily resurrection of Jesus. They knew him, they followed him, and they can testify to it. Paul then notes that 500 people also saw Jesus. There's been a lot of, of, there's a lot of discussion and scholarship about what Paul is doing or what Paul is referring to here. Was this 500 people all at the exact same time? Was this 500 people over the course of a little while? What was this? Was it really 500? Maybe it was like how we say, like, he appeared to a ton of people. What's Paul doing? Is this, is this like hyperbole? What is, what's going on? Because there's no other place in scripture where this is noted, that Christ appeared to 500 people. What Paul is doing here is saying, this wasn't like some secret. This wasn't something that we made up. 
He actually appeared to a lot of people, 500 people. And some of them are still alive. If you want to go check with them, you can ask them. Did you see Jesus? And they would say, yes, we did. So Paul is making the case here that this is not just a, a private event that happened with those that were close to Jesus and that, you know, maybe he didn't really die or maybe he was in the grave asleep. And this wasn't something that was made up is what Paul's point here is. Paul then also notes that he appears to some individuals. The first two he mentions are Peter and James. Both are, are interesting to me. He notes Peter and James. Well, why Peter? Why would he point out Peter? Well, Peter was like the best friend of Jesus. Peter was the, the closest disciple to Jesus. They had a, a unique and special relationship. If you read scripture and, and read Peter, you, you know that there's just this, this bond that these two guys have that's special and unique. And Peter was with Christ all throughout his earthly ministry, and they had a, an interesting relationship at times. Well, Peter becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and he's this figure that would have been well-known. And so Paul pointing out Peter is saying, somebody as trustworthy as Peter saw Jesus. He's making a case that this actually really happened. And then he also includes James. And James is really interesting to me that he's included. Because James did not believe in Jesus. James did not believe in Jesus while Jesus was on earth doing his ministry. If you go to John chapter 7 verses 3 through 5, it says, even his brothers did not believe who he was. James was Jesus' brother. James went on to become a leader in the church and write the letter that we have in our New Testament, the book of James. But early on, James did not believe. It was the, the death of his brother, Jesus, and the burial, and then the resurrection of his brother, Jesus, that moved James to faith. So Paul is saying, even someone that doubted saw him and can testify that he is alive, that he was raised from the dead. Then Paul goes on to include himself. He says, even me, he showed up. The bodily raised Jesus showed up. As I was heading to Damascus, I met Christ. Christ came to me and he changed my entire life. I went from persecuting Christians to proclaiming Christianity to the Gentiles and to all the parts of the earth. And he says this weird thing at the end, right? Even to me who was abnormally born. It's like, what? What do you mean, Paul? What does this mean? And again, there's a lot of debate and conversation about what this might mean. What is Paul referring to? The Greek that he uses is confusing. Uh, to be honest, it, it's, it's a difficult word that he uses. What I think Paul is saying is that I, I'm, I didn't come to faith like the, everybody else I, I just listed. <laughs> like I came, I came to faith in this unique way and I became an apostle in a very unique way. I was born in the faith in sort of a abnormal way. But even me, the one that came to you in Corinth, the one that shared with you the gospel, even I have seen the raised Jesus is what Paul is saying. Paul is making a really strong case that Jesus actually was raised from the dead. He's making that case to the, the people in Corinth, reminding them again that the resurrection is really important and that it really 
happened. And church, it's a reminder for us today. So why? Why is the resurrection so important? Why do we say things like Easter is every day? We should remind ourselves of the resurrection every day. Why is the resurrection the cornerstone, the foundation? Why does Paul say that without the resurrection, our faith is useless? That we're stuck in our sin? Let me offer a few thoughts. First, I think the resurrection is so important because it shows us God's power and shows us God's sovereignty. That we follow, believe in, and worship a God who creates and sustains life. That God is the giver and the taker of life. And that he has the power to raise the dead. The resurrection testifies to the power of God. Life and death are in God's hands. This is who he is. The second thing I would say, the re- why the resurrection is so important, it validates Jesus' claim on who he is. Jesus claimed to be the son of God. Jesus claimed to take away the sins of the world. Jesus claimed to come and conquer death and to open eternal life for us. If he isn't raised from the dead, then Jesus is a crazy person. He is a lunatic or he is a liar. Unless he actually was raised from the dead, he's a lunatic or a liar. The entire Christian faith would crumble without the resurrection. The third thing I would say is that it fulfills the prophecy of the Old Testament and the prophecy that Christ made himself. The things that were said about Jesus, that who he would be, what the Messiah and the Savior would be, were fulfilled in his resurrection. It fulfills prophecy, both of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The fourth thing I would say is that every, everyone in the New Testament, most often in the New Testament, and we just saw this in the book of Acts, when the gospel is preached, they include the resurrection. They include the resurrection of Jesus. And so if the resurrection didn't really happen, people like Paul and people like Peter and people like James, they're all liars, <laughs> They've all made something up. And I simply don't believe that. I I simply believe that they're telling the truth and that it really happened. The fourth thing, and perhaps the most impactful and important thing for us this morning, the resurrection of Jesus is a promise. It is a promise. It is a guarantee of our resurrection one day. That we are linked to Christ. We are linked to to Christ in his resurrection. Death, our death, one day is not the end for us. Because Christ has been raised, we have a guarantee that we too will be raised and spend eternity with him. Death is not the final part of our life. If we know Jesus and we trust Jesus and we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, And we will be raised one day and we will be with him in eternity. His resurrection is our hope for eternal life. If Christ was not raised, 
If Christ is not seated at the right hand of the Father, then what hope do we have? What hope do we have for eternal life? What hope do we have and what belief and confidence can we have that death has been conquered? Without the resurrection, Jesus is no savior. Without the resurrection, Jesus is no king. Without the resurrection, he is not the Lord of my life and he's not the Lord of your life. Our faith in him is futile if he doesn't raise from the dead. His resurrection is our resurrection. Church, when I say that this morning, my hope, my deep hope is that that brings for you a, a compelling, a deep and compelling sense of freedom. That you are free from the sin and the guilt and the shame and everything that is difficult in this life. Because this is not it. This life is not it. We have, this is not our home. We're just here for a little bit. Our home, our future is in heaven with him because he has raised from the grave and conquered sin and conquered death. And we can walk through this earth without fear and without burdens and without guilt and without shame because our king who walked into Jerusalem is not in a tomb. He's raised people. Our king is alive and we have freedom in him. Let me pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for his death on the cross that paid for our sin. And we thank you for his burial that that took on the full weight of death. And we thank you for his resurrection that frees us from sin. God, I pray that we will celebrate the resurrection of your son Jesus every moment of every day. It's in his name we pray, amen.